everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Bogger-Milas, and I'm the editor here at Televisions. And joining me as per usual is my co-host, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. I'm not even going to ask how you are today because both of us have had a bad day. It's not great. Nope. Today's not, not great. great. Um, but hopefully today we'll get better. But yes. luckily you all don't have to... Um, sit with just us in our bad moods today uh, about technology and all manner of other things because uh, television's intern no more. Uh, I don't know what to call you now that I can't call you the television Television's intern. real girl? Yeah. <laughs> television's real girl. Um, Emma O'Neill Deedle is here with us to talk about a show that uh, actually is on our on our schedule here almost solely because of her campaign for us to put it here. So mm-hmm. hi, Emma. Welcome. Tell the people what we're going to talk about. Hello. Um, you're welcome for introducing you to this show. Um, well, I guess technically television's introduced it to me because I found out that it was on the roster of things to be uh, reviewed. Uh, it is called The Lazarus Project, and it is a fantastic show, and I can't wait to hear what you both think of it. The, the Lazarus Project, for those who uh, follow along on, on our on our website. I mean, to be honest, I'm going to say straight up that most of you probably miss The Lazarus Project. Oh, because yes. it airs on TNT. It's a Sky original that has been brought over on TNT. And I don't know anyone who watches anything on TNT that isn't like the Charmed or Supernatural reruns they used to show in the morning. <laughs> both of which I watched, and I'm not ashamed. But... You know, I don't I don't think anybody was really looking to them for original programming so much, uh, but it's it's here and we're going to talk about. It. Yeah. Turner, uh, which is a, a at this point, a division of Warner Media uh, has sort of gone back and forth on whether or not it needs to do original programming. It did for a while and then it stopped and then it did for a while again with uh, the last time around. It, d- it started with a uh, Miracle Workers with Daniel Radcliffe and uh uh, the the snow snowcatcher with uh Sean oh, Bean Snowpiercer that Snowpiercer is wonderful Snowpiercer I, with the, Sean I, Bean I just fully don't think that needed to be a TV show but that movie is yeah. amazing um so when they do do sort of dramas they do sort of Britishy drama they do have a tendency to sort of get Britishy dramas that fall within our wheelhouse yeah I mean it's this isn't this isn't Annie's thing of like it's sort of a British show this is a legitimately British television program it was produced by Sky it just happens to air on TNT which is a really weird un when I say unnatural I don't mean wrong I just mean we don't really think to look there for this kind of content. Yeah. And so I suspect that most people probably missed it, which is a shame because it's really fun. Yeah. I uh, I threw this on the list because I really wanted to sort of remind people that stuff existed on the Turner networks. And this one, especially because it was originally supposed to debut in January and literally 48 hours before its debut due to the whole like, combining of discovery and hbo and max and all that it got shoved down six months so um i i I threw it on the list of things to to review because i wanted to highlight that it existed emma took it and she has been evangelical about this show ever since and i have to say having watched all eight episodes i am joining her in the evangelical oh my god this show's amazing why aren't more people aware of this show why isn't the show being marketed please please watch the lazarus project it is to be to 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 give you the elevator pitch on it it is groundhog day but saving the world 
I mean, sort of. It's not a comedy. No, it is not a comedy. It is funny, though. It has some very comedic, unexpectedly comedic moments. But it's not a comedy in the way Groundhog Day is. I mean, yes, but also the main character becomes a mass murderer over the course (laughs) of the first season. So Imagine if you've seen the show Barry, which granted is not a British show. It's like the later seasons of Barry plus time loop. Yeah. So the first episode is basically this guy, his name is George, he's played by Papa uh, Esu, uh, who is uh, uh, from Gangs of London, he was in the ca- he was in season two of The Capture. Uh, most people I think will probably know him from I May Destroy You. Oh, thank yeah. you, I May Destroy You. Um, he, he's, uh, a, he's a really great actor, but basically he keeps waking up on July 1st. And he doesn't understand what's going on. He lives for about six months before he suddenly wakes up from a reset. And he lives one timeline where he successfully gets a bank loan to do his own app startup. And he almost lives happily ever after, except then he wakes up on July 1st. And this time he doesn't get the loan. And he basically lives miserably ever after until he wakes up again. And at that point, he's like, what is going on? And he's basically told to come to this address where um, answers will be found. And when he arrives, he is introduced to the Lazarus Project. These are people who have been basically had their cells altered in order to um, in order to live through time loops and and keep their memories each time. They have basically the singularity black hole thing where they which was discovered, I guess, somewhere in the 60s. And that that part's not exactly clear. What they tell us is that the first time the world ended was 1963. And that each time this happens, what they do is they basically go back to a checkpoint, like in a video game, and start over trying to solve the problem so that it, it, the, the world doesn't end. So, And July 1st every year is the checkpoint. Basically, I feel like we should also mention that the checkpoint, that is the point at which... If you do a time loop of that year, that's the point to which it resets. Yes. Every July 1st, all the time until you get to the next July 1st. And then if you reset it, it will reset to that July 1st. So it's not like, oh, I screwed something up today. Let me just boot back to yesterday and fix it. Like, yeah, I would have to go all the way back to July 1st, which right now, as it is (laughs) mid-July, would not be like as bad if it were Christmas. Because then it would be six months. If it's June 30th, you've then wiped out an entire year. And that's kind of where the problems arise from. You know, it's the we sacrifice the 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 few for the good of the many is sort of the the, the concept behind this. So let's say we have a well, uh, a pandemic starts um, and they basically the first time the pandemic starts, they realize that everybody's going to die. So they reset back to July 1st, uh, 2019. And then they reset to July 1st, 2019 over and over and over again until they get a vaccine in nine months. And then they're like, look, we created a miracle. We've solved the world. We'll allow ourselves to go through to July 1st, 2020. And that's how this works each time. And what the thing is, is if you die not in the tragedy that that causes the re- that causes them to decide to reset you stay dead no, you don't That's- well no well no like they don't reset they don't reset you just because you die so right oh, yes that okay. part is true but it's not that you you if everyone who has died in that year and they reset it is alive again they do not they do not uh the rule of their group is that they, they that it has to be 
in order to to push the button to reset time it has to be literally like a world ending event like somebody set the nukes off mm-hmm. a pandemic like the black plague three is here like it has to be like a mass extinction event yeah not just like your grandma died or something as sad as that might be and this is but- and this is where it happens to george because he in in the in the beginning of episode two he walks his wife to school or his girlfriend to school and he accidentally saves her from almost being pushed in front of a truck by somebody who's upset. And when they reset, he forgets about the truck and he starts to walk away and he doesn't get back in time and he witnesses her get hit by the truck. And then they save the world so they're not going to reset it. So now she's dead and he can't do anything. At least that's the plot of the present day is that he is basically trying, as as Lacey says, he becomes a mass murderer in this attempt to basically make the world end. So they will reset back to July 1st so he can save her from falling in front of the truck. But it's more than that, because interwoven with his story are the are the past stories of other people in the Lazarus project including one where we find out that she was that that there was a pair of lovers who worked there Archie is kind of like his boss sort of a little and her boyfriend Ross who is who who died and he basically disobeyed the rules and reset over and over again every time she died because he couldn't live in a world without her yes and then he dies and she is not allowed. They they stop her from. Uh, I I I think morally she would not go so far as he did or as George did anyway uh, to save him. So her higher ups at the project say, "Well, he's dead. That's done." So she has to live with the fact that he brought her back, but she cannot bring him back. And all of the people who work for the Lazarus Project or have worked for it in the past have this heavy, heavy, heavy baggage that is explored through flashbacks and and different versions of the time loop. And the characters are just incredible. Yeah, I was going to say, Emma, do your do your do your pitch. Tell us why the show is so great. (laughs) Uh, Well, I think that this this show is so great because it's a sci fi time loop time travel show for the post Marvel multiverse post everything everywhere all at once world where it's not about the technicalities of the time travel or the time loops you don't have to understand what's literally going on it's about the emotions and it's about the philosophical questions and it's about the connections between characters and the characters are so nuanced and so well developed and their relationships are also interesting and really messed up because of what they've witnessed and i think it's important to say that the people who work for the Lazarus Project are the only ones who can remember all of these past time loops. So they have this really, each each of the agents have a really complicated history with each other because they've experienced this thing no one else can. They have memories with each other that nobody else knows about. And most of them have watched each other die many times. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> uh, it creates these character relationships that's unlike anything uh, that exists. There are two characters who are not actually, like, given serum by the government to become like this. George, and he meets, uh, when he gets there, he meets another one, Shiv. They are genuine mutants. And when we say mutants, we mean that they naturally 
their bodies naturally remember. Maybe say genetic mutation. Genetic mutation. That way there mutant to me reads X-Men. Yeah. One of the things I love <laughs> about this show is that it is aware of all the other things. It doesn't pretend Marvel doesn't exist. Like when she call, when when Archie calls George a mutant, she says, not like Wolverine, right? When he says, you have time travel and you don't go back to the 1800s, she looks at him and says, I'm a brown woman. Why would I do that? Like there are really great moments like that that just are, are so self-aware of of what we in the present day now know now think about when we think about time travel and how like time travel is really a a world of the privileged and and how like and they address that and they throw that kind of thing in there which i love um the the other thing about this show though that i really loved was the bad guys who george basically hooks up with um it's played by a uh, tom burke uh he He's a he's a kind of a Russian guy who uh, we don't know why he's basically trying to blow up the world, but he says it's because we are doing something unnatural and we should just end the world. The world wants to end. Clearly, it wants to end. It keeps trying to commit suicide here and you guys keep stopping it. But it turns out as we go through the episodes, the reason he is so angry is because his he and his wife were both Lazarus Project members. She gave birth. And then they reset and lost the baby. And then she got pregnant again. And they literally had to try to make sure that she gave birth after July 1st so that she wouldn't lose it in the reset. They keep resetting it during they keep resetting time during her second pregnancy. So she keeps yeah, having it happens to her over and over again. She keeps yeah. having to literally it's harrowing. Like she has to keep going through like this horrible labor and over and over and over mm-hmm. again and yeah. it's really like it's a lot uh, uh again it's one of those things where the, this is where i can tell that there are women who yes. are writing this show because this is one of the things that no one would ever think about is gestating babies and what pregnancy might be like if you're stuck in a time loop and never managed to get to give birth or keep losing the baby two weeks after it was born Like, that's really, like, such a thing that you never see in these sort of time loop shows. And it... It, it really does like put a different spin on whether um, on what the moralness of this is, because, you know, everybody's like, oh, well, it's the greater good. Yes. But really, there's millions of women who have lost their babies right after birth over and over and over again and never know it. And how screwed up is that? Well, I mean, on some level, you ha- on, on some level, you have to say that they're luckier than um... than the ones that do know. Correct. What's her name? Janet than Janet is because mm-hmm. like you could just watch her just like she comes home with the with the the baby that manages to get to get born after a reset or man or that manages to survive to survive through a reset and and like the first time she comes home she's just like so excited she's like this is your house little one blah 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 and then like 50 repeats later she's like basically throwing the 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 baby carrier like into a corner when she gets home and just like leaving it there it's really upsetting yeah oh it, by the way this is vanette robinson who plays janet she, you might recognize her from sherlock she also played rosa parks in the doctor who episode on rosa parks she is fan freaking tastic in this show she is the she's so good she's the best or one of the best in the whole cast i loved her 
Yeah, I absolutely loved her performance. She really made the show for me in a lot of ways, especially because towards the end of the season, um, I'm not sure how to how to talk about this because okay, there is a season two of the project of the Lazarus Project coming. First of all, so obviously we cannot have a closed ended time loop. So another time loop starts happening. And it's really complicated and she's in the middle of it. And honestly, like there was a point where I almost was like, no, I can't with this. The show's losing me. And it was her performance that really kept me when we find when we got to like a whole double time loop and competing governments trying to like reset the timeline and so forth and 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 how that screws everything up. Like it really like she was sort of my through line. Um, I would like to talk about mm-hmm. uh the the I mean I know I made a joke about the main character becoming a mass murderer, but the main character actually does he become becomes a mass, a mass murderer. murderer and literally counts on the time reset to sort of make it okay that he did that. I want to talk about like the sort of moral hazard of this show, like and what you guys think about it because I it really like on paper I I get it. Like, I get, like, all of this is going to be okay because I'm going to reset the timeline and it's going to be fine. But then he resets the timeline and he's guilty as hell. Like, he... Well, like, and the thing is, is that, like, okay, great, you're going to reset the timeline. He shot a teenager, like, in the face. Yes. And, and it, that really... I had a really hard time with how I feel about this character because of that. Because, like, I see that he, he, he only really feels guilty about killing Shiv. Spoiler, he shoots Shiv several times. <laughs> At different points. <laughs> in several different ways. Um, is there even such a thing as a spoiler on the show? I don't know. <laughs> no. But, uh, but like but like it really I had a really hard time uh connecting with George, I think, because I don't think the show did enough for me to really kind of unpack the the murkiness of a lot of this morality stuff because he's literally just he's he's counting on the reset to make it all okay again, but he is still a person that killed like twenty people. Mm-hmm. And what am I supposed to do with that as a viewer? So I need, I need your thoughts on this, Emma. Me first. Oh no. Um, I. You're the guest. You get to go first. <laughs> Thank you. People hear from us all the time. I. George was not my favorite character of the cast, or a character that I thought was the most interesting. Um, so I haven't thought about him probably as much as you have, Lacey. I sort of saw his main character plotline is the scaffolding on which everything else that I was enjoying was built. Like the engine that makes it go. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think a lot hinges on what happens in season two, what gets done and undone, and, and how we see him cope with what he's done, because right now he is fully running on adrenaline. He hasn't had time, or at least not that we've seen, to think about what he's done. And one thing I did feel like I was missing from the show one of the only things was a time to see him really break to have some sort of emotional breakdown or some sort of reckoning we never see him freak out Mm -hmm. he just keeps going and going and going and going and i do think that moment of a break or of an emotional reckoning is coming in season two i maybe would have liked to see it in season one and i think it would have made him a more sympathetic character but i don't know i like what they're doing with the you know how far can they take the idea of an anti-hero before you just can't root for him anymore. So, um, two things. One with George, um, 
I kept expecting him to break and yeah. not actually manage to reset the timeline. I One of the other reasons why I love this show is that it completely defied my expectations. I assumed going in that he would he would morally break. He would he would realize that this is crazy that that the, that that his wife is that his girlfriend is gone, that he is lost, that that he has to find a way forward without destroying the world. No, no, no. He destroys the damn world. No, he doesn't. And we still have like two episodes to go when that happens. Because <laughs> I think I would have. I love an. I love an antihero. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Taylor Swift. But <laughs> um, great song. I love an antihero, but I need. The thing is, is that I, I think Emma is right in that I don't know if I needed him to break in in necessarily, but I needed to. I needed an acknowledgement that I didn't get. Like, I don't care if he decides, okay, it's worth it for me to murder these 20 people and I don't care what it does to my soul, then that's fine. <laughs> like, that's, I mean, I'm, it's not fine, obviously, but like for the purposes of the show that I'm watching, like, okay, I get that it's a, it's a choice that this character has made, but I just don't think that I see him make a choice either in either direction. He just keeps sort of reacting to things. Mm. And and I think I would feel less uncomfortable with it if he had just straight up like Lady Macbeth did mm. and and just chose to I'm going to do literally everything and anything to get this woman back. And I don't know. OK. I, and 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 to, to 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 piggyback off of that, I want to bring up my second thing, which is the character of Sarah, who is the girlfriend I want to talk about Sarah too. Okay, oh this is good. Oh my gosh, same. Okay, so Sarah basically gets fridged in episode two <laughs> to drive the plot. That is what happens to Sarah. And then they don't keep her fridged because, as I said, he actually destroys the world and brings her back. And I honestly felt like, as I said, like this is a show that's very self-aware of uh, Marvel. It's aware of how we view uh, time loops and time travel through race and gender. And having them unfridge her and basically allow her to figure out what is going on. And she doesn't, though. She doesn't. She I am does. just fully against if she doesn't, yeah, she, she figures does. it out because he gives her the serum. Okay, right, okay. true. Okay, yes. She doesn't figure it out on her own. And no, the fact true. is, yes, they bring her back from one fridging and then proceeds to fridge her fifteen more times. <laughs> In fact, one time he literally hits her with his car. <laughs> Which was hilarious. <laughs> okay. So like there, I don't think there's like a feminist statement with Sarah at all. In fact, my big complaint is I don't believe in their relationship. I agree. I agree. Mm. Well, I agreed until the last episode. I don't, I don't, but I mean, they're fine. They're fine. But I don't like, I don't believe in it to the extent that he is going to become a mass murderer over this woman. Yep. Especially because of the episode later on where she just is like, oh, okay, this isn't working for me. Peace. Like, it's just that, like, that just doesn't work for me. Yeah, the fact that she dumps him after... I, I, I did like that, though, that he went through all this trouble. He murdered all these people like, to save was, her. Like and she's just like, and she's just like, listen, this isn't working out. I'm going to go date this other guy. But I don't feel like the show acknowledges that enough for me, that that, that he could I, have done all of this for nothing. Because then sort of towards the end of the season, they imply that they're getting back together. I will say, and then Emma, I want to hear your <laughs> rant, is 
is I am at least looking forward to like a second season where she is a more active participant in the story and actually has a POV instead of just dying randomly or or dating or dumping this dude. Because like, yeah, I did not buy that there was like literally world ending love between them. Yeah, I have to say like, um, as someone who would really love someone to love me as much as George thinks he loves Sarah. Dude, don't end the world for me. <laughs> Do not end the world for me. Greg, I know you listen to this podcast. Do not end the world for me. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Now that we've told Greg that he is not allowed to end the world for you. I was just saying. Um. I really do feel that that Sarah that that George doesn't actually love Sarah as much as he thinks he does. He goes through all this, but he's doing it for his own mm-hmm. ego. I have thoughts on this, but Emma, we've been talking about. <laughs> I I was going to say the same thing. I don't believe in their relationship. I don't think they have a ton of chemistry. I don't think Sarah mm-hmm. has that much going on uh, character wise. But I believe in George. I believe as a character that that is something he would do. I don't believe they're actually that in love, and I don't think we're supposed to believe that. I think that this is George being making poor choices um, for his own <laughs> ego, or or for what you know what he thinks is there, what he wishes is there. And I'd be curious in season two to find out more about his life before Sarah, about his upbringing. I think that could answer questions potentially. But I, I'm on, I'm on the side of really 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 wanting to believe that the show is conscious of of what they're doing with sarah and fridging and unfridging and fridging her because they they do literally do the dead wife slow-mo smiling under the white sheets like they literally do oh my that. god she's <laughs> so amazing i just could right. and i feel the rest of the show is so smart and the rest of the and this is I realized this as I was watching it the first time through. Sarah kept bothering me because she was so boring and all of the other characters were so interesting, including all of the other female characters. And there are a number of them. And so I just thought, okay, this can't be all that there is to Sarah. There's got to be more to her. And I do think that in the last episode, in the version of the time loop within the time loop where she does get to find out about what George is doing and in the literally the very last scene of the last episode where you see that she's fully on board, I think that bodes well for her and I really, really would like to see more from her in season two because I think this is a a show that is very capable of developing interesting female characters. I would just like to see her get that treatment so we'll see i but i just i i don't want to believe that they were playing into that trope i want to believe that they were being smart about it because i like this show so much and it would it would ruin it for me a little bit if that was the case yeah i have to agree there um i have i i what i think the thing is is that having sarah sort of wake up to and become part of the Lazarus project and be aware of the time loops and basically become an equal to the rest of the characters at the end really gave me a lot of hope for what they plan to yeah. do with her next. Um and honestly that is and that is why I had kind of a positive I see where you're like you're you're get you're putting the cart before the horse you're hoping for things that aren't there yet and you're right I kind of am. <laughs> but at the same time like like Emma, I 
I mean, honestly, like there, there's a whole thing where like Archie's just like Sarah's life does not revolve around you to George. And there's like a whole like. The, Although sometimes, the, sometimes the, Archie, they they put Archie in there to say things to, to be like, we we're being uh, conscious of, of women and race. They do kind of use Archie yes. to say that. She's lampshading it. Yeah, a little bit. They do that. Yes, they do. Um. I also have to say, though, um, just to Emma's point about this being a comedy, it is a black comedy at times. Like the 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 Shiv dying over and over again thing, um, Sarah dying over and over again in many many ways. It's got that kind of Russian doll, like you know. The only part I really felt that about was when they're literally in Russia watching uh, Archie and her boyfriend are basically like just watching the bomb go <laughs> off repeatedly. Yes, like there is just there is definitely like something to the Russian doll like dark humor of all the different ways you can die from nuclear blast uh going on <laughs> um and i do i do love that mm. and i'm I, I, that may make me a weirdo but honestly like i definitely laughed in every episode at least a couple of times <laughs> me too i'm with you emma i would ask you you said that george was not the reason like you're not the the thing that you're hanging your enjoyment of the show on what is all of the other characters. <laughs> I, well, I'm I'm a real sucker for a, a team dynamic. The way that they have, I I like a, a sort of um, crime investigative kind of team. You know what what they have going on, where they're a, they're a secret agency and they each bring their own um, strengths to the table, and they have they all have weird banter and weird history with each other. And I I just love that dynamic so any anytime any of the the team was together working through their issues whether those issues be interpersonal or um world ending i was riveted i love shiv i love um archie and um uh Vanette robinson's character janet um i i loved wes you know i loved i I don't know. I thought Wes could have been more interesting. I'd like to see more about her in the next season. Um, but Shiv, Archie, and Janet were my like big three that I was really every time they were on screen, I was like, "Don't leave! Don't leave! I want to know more about you." I know. I kind of wish the show was about Janet. I'm not going to front. <laughs> um, I will say that she really is. She was for me the through line character. But you know, I did love Wes in what we got to see of her, and I want to know more about Wes. I love this. I love the scene where we saw young Wes come to Shiv and basically like recruit yeah. him. And I also noticed that then he okay, she comes to his breakfast table and basically like, and then he does that to recruit Archie, but she doesn't do that to recruit George. And I'm mm. like. Like, is that because what's going on there? Why did they break that cycle? Because that seems to have been like the modus operandi of how you of how they were recruiting people until George. I don't know. It's 2023 and a single woman doesn't need to like <laughs> randomly just go to some strange man's house. Um, I also, even though the Dane, um, as they refer to him, and Blake and Greta didn't get as much screen time, like, I I have to say, like, the ensemble work that they were putting in. Yeah. They contribute to that group dynamic that's just so satisfying to me. Yeah. And, and, and remember, even though they're not the main characters and they're sort of the supporting chorus, each time they have a completely different experience so that too you get to see like 
even if it's only glimpses, you do get to see different sides of them as they die in many different ways or don't die in many different ways. Um, I feel like I feel like um, one thing that's worth saying about the show as as I get really angry about its <laughs> its understanding of fridging or not is that this this show really isn't that deep in that way. It's very no, like it's, it's very um, it's fun and it to me has a real like kind of popcorn summer movie vibe yeah. that I feel like we don't have a lot of adventure shows anymore in that way. Mm-hmm. It's not quite like. It's not like, you know, around the 80, around the world in 80 days kind of adventure, like literal adventure story, but it is more in that vein than I think a traditional procedural. And it's it's a night. It's a refreshing kind of change, I think. And the action sequences to me are delightful. I used to think that I didn't like car chases in movies. I just thought they were boring. But lately I've been both this show and, and others that I've seen recently. I've realized, oh, you know, maybe they were just poorly directed and I didn't care about the characters. And in this show, I think the the action scenes are directed really well, and the through line is the characters. You care whether they even even if you know they're going to come back in the next loop, you care whether they get squished under a truck or not. <laughs> um, I felt like especially um episode four, which is kind of like the Shiv origin story episode. Is that the one where he like? goes and makes a lot of bets at the horse track. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. That's the one we're here. Yes, that's that one. Which is, I um, think, honestly that... what a lot of people would do should they wake up with this mm-hmm. power. So no judgment. Yeah. Basically, this is the one that starts with Shiv as a baby and we see, like, he, that he grows up and, re- like, his growth spurts are really weirdly timed and that the, the whole time loop thing, it has been affecting him since he was a baby. And basically, like, this is the one, this is the episode that sort of leads into re- the reveal of Janet losing the baby and, 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 uh, uh, Ra- Um, I kept, I wanted to say Tom Burke, Ribroff, her husband, basically quitting because he's, he's so angry over what happened and that this is what has sort of driven him to the point that he is now a bad guy. And that it's kind of Shiv's fault that they had to reset the timeline. He feels incredibly guilty about it. That episode, as a standalone episode, was, in a lot of ways, I felt like it was like a mini, a mini high-octane blockbuster. Like, this is the kind of thing that you go to the movies to see. Like, this is why you go see Mission Impossible movies. This is why you go see, like, I don't know, uh, what else does Tom Cruise do his own stunts in? I don't even remember. Um, But... Top Gun, thank you. Uh, I didn't this see is why you... of those movies, but I do see commercials. So, um, listen, I am sure that the reason people go see those movies is to watch a man who is over sixty do his own stunts because it is like a feat of daring. Do I? I cannot imagine why else one would go see those movies. Anyway, point being that this felt like it was supplying to me that kind of high octane blockbuster action than be uh, just an episode of television. Yeah, it's very it's very bingeable. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I normally, I as I'm sure everyone knows, I watch I watch a lot of our shows that we talked about at the last minute. But this one was, you know, it was a pretty easy ride, and also, um, it doesn't. Like, I will admit that I definitely tuned out for some bit to the middle about like the specifics of this bomb they have to go find <laughs> yeah. or whatever. It was kind of just like very boring, but it didn't matter because like that's not the point. So you can no. you you don't have to like this isn't like a thinky show. No, not at all. 
unless you really want to get in the weeds like me and be like, what is everyone's moral praxis? But and you could get I, in the if you like that sort of thing, whether with the morality of it or the figuring out the ins and outs of the time loops, if that's your jam, this show has plenty of, of meat on its bones for that. But it's also just a fun ride. Mm-hmm. I do love a time loop, even though this one has a lot more like <laughs> like violent death than I'm used to <laughs> in time loops. Our, our regular listeners who know that I failed to get Jewel in the Crown watched in a timely manner last week will not be surprised to know that I be due to my backup, I literally had to watch this in like a day and I was not looking forward to because I hate, I'm really not a binge person and I watched all eight episodes in almost one sitting. <laughs> I think I got up at, after episode four for cookies and came right on back. Like I was really like, this is such an addicting show in that way. In the way that Line of Duty is very propulsive it really is like it just has so you just keep hitting next and the thing is is that like as i said i'm evangelical about this show now but i'm not evangelical about the show the way i was with say sherwood where i was like this is the best show i have seen all year oh my god go watch it this is a holy crap there's a really fun show over there that nobody knows about and y'all really would like it so, uh, as Annie said, this show has been renewed for a second season, which I'm glad I knew before I got to the end of the first episode, because it is pretty much a cliffhanger. Um, and that means that you don't have to watch it wondering what will happen. But I would like to know what you guys think should happen. Emma? That is too big of a question. There is too much going on. I mean, obviously, more with whatever is going on with Janet, more of Sarah... George needs to have a breakdown at some point. I, I, they're obviously hinting that people are asking the question of who is behind this singularity, who is higher than Wes. And I don't know if I want that question answered because I'm afraid it's going to be aliens and I don't want there to be aliens oh, in this no, show. Oh, no, no, no. You just gave me like Indiana Jones and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull vibes <laughs> yeah. and I don't want that either. I don't, I really don't want that. I, Maybe they can try to find out and they don't find out. That would be fine. Uh, But I I just really don't want it to be aliens. One thing that I would really like to see in season two, because they are hinting at this, is that this is a when when one government has a technology that it's trying to hide and other governments get a hold of it and they start competing global nonsense can happen and i feel like that's where we're heading to in season two is the idea of multiple governments attempting to use singular singularities to reset time over and over again for their own ends um that being said i absolutely agree with you emma um, I think if this show were to reveal who was behind the singularity, it would be like Killing Eve trying to show us who was behind yeah. the 12. Like, that's just, nobody cares. <laughs> Don't do that. That's not, no, you're missing the point if you think that's why we're watching. We're not watching because we want to know who's behind the curtain. We're watching because we want to think about the fact that a after losing your child a hundred times, would you too snap and decide that you just need to destroy the timeline once and for all? Is it true? Is it is it a good idea for us to be resetting the timeline and saving the world over and over again? Are we messing with forces that are beyond our comprehension? Should we play God? You know that is one of the things about British Empire is that the British Empire tried to play God all over the planet, and the Jewel in the Crown shows us just how badly that. 
all goes. Here we are just doing it on a universal scale. And, you know, how, how, how much are we screwing up the world by resetting time like that over and over again? How much are we re screwing up humanity? What if our DNA all starts unraveling? Like, I have so many questions. Um, let's see. I will answer my own question first. And I will say that uh, I would like to see Sarah become more of an actual character instead of like a thing that George mm -hmm. is fighting for. I would like to see her get some more agency and involvement and just not She can be Agent Paddington. Not just hit by her boyfriend's car <laughs> or whatever. So that I would really like. I would really like I don't I don't actually know that I'm gonna get the increased sort of exploration of moral culpability and that kind of stuff because I don't really think that's the show's vibe. Like that's what I want from it, but I don't think that that is what the story is primarily concerned about. I would appreciate any little crumbs they could throw me in that vein. And I would also, I think, oh, I would definitely like it to not be aliens because that would really suck. <laughs> that would suck. Um, Let's not do that. I would not, I mean, I don't know. This is just kind of when you like think about stuff like this, I think you often think of why aren't people's brains melting out their ears if like the timeline is reset mm -hmm. 57 <laughs> times in a month. Like, DNA unraveling people. So, I mean, I don't know. I, w I would find that interesting if there are sort of larger considerations to what happens when you push the button too many times or that should make you think about whether or not you should push the button beyond, like, I guess if it's a mushroom cloud, you push the button and then maybe you should think about it. Otherwise, I don't know. I would like a little um, more awareness of. Uh, I mean, I don't really need this to be like Oppenheimer with time travel. Like, I don't I don't. Um, I don't need this to be like an arms race or anything with like who can who can do all this stuff the best because then that's going to turn it into some kind of sort of international political thriller thing, which is not what I want this show to be. So there's that too. Um, I also want to know why why we're not having mutations. Is it because they reset the timeline over and over again since 1963 that caused Shiv to be born with this ability and now George should develop it? Like, where did that come from? Why did that happen? Or is is there one something of those things that, they... that like, you never knew, like you, you didn't know that you were immune to COVID until COVID existed kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, and and is it something? Is this a mutation that the human race is starting to develop because these people are resetting the timeline mm. over and over again? Like I have so many questions. I would have a field day with Ao3 on Ao3 edition. <laughs> you really can <laughs> ship anyone in any permutation. I'm looking expectantly at my screen to see if anyone has any other final thoughts. Nope, nope. I'm just I I just went off in the world of fan fiction in my brain. Actually, you know what? That is my request. If you have if you have actually been watching the Lazarus Project and you have been writing fan fiction on AO3 about it, I would like to read that. Uh, our email address is televisions at weta.org. <laughs> so there's that. Emma, any final thoughts? Um, my final thought is celebrity gossip, which is that I looked up uh, that actor playing Archie because I love her. And I discovered, well, first of all, she's from uh, the Doctor Who spinoff Sarah Jane Adventures. Um, That's why she looked is. familiar. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yep. And yep. she is dating Sasha Dewan of The Great and Doctor Who. So they are two very lucky people. Wow. They're probably extremely attractive. <laughs> <laughs> Just telling you, British entertainment, it's all a... Uh, it's all connected. It's all a closed loop. 
I feel like we didn't talk about Archie enough, but but she's great. That'll be a I love her. Two conversation. Uh, anyway, this is this is me awkwardly attempting to end this episode. So I will just say we're ending this episode. And yeah, Emma, thank you as always for joining us and uh, providing this topic. Tell everybody uh, where they can find you online for more of your thoughts on shows they should watch. For more of my thoughts, I am on Twitter, unfortunately, at Emma O-N-D-I. <laughs> and I'm also, even more unfortunately, on threads uh, <laughs> at Emma O-D-22. And it's really annoying that those are not the same handle. Annie, you're up. Uh, I'm sorry for cheering when we said that. I, I really today has been a very bad day, and I apologize. I I do love talking to you guys, and I do, and and I love the fact that Emma is is joining us in the pod, and I hope she joins us more like on a regular basis. Now that she's a real girl, we could do this as like a trio, uh, as like a trio pod. Anyway, um, I it's just sorry I'm babbling because I'm tired. Where can you find me on the internet? I'm at Annie Bundle. That's where I am. I'm at Annie Bundle everywhere. Um, and when I say everywhere, I mean every single wannabe Twitter thing, including Twitter itself. Um, I'm at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook because, oh, I'm probably on threads because Facebook is difficult and wouldn't let me just have Annie Bundle. Uh, you, oh, and I'm at Annie Bundle on Instagram, which is filled with pictures of my cats and also cheese. Um, I am uh, the associate editor here at Televisions, and I also freelance around the web. Um, and I have been talking about strike in several different places, and Barbie and Oppenheimer, and all sorts of great things. So if you want to know what I wrote today, just follow me somewhere somehow. Huzzah! <laughs> uh, I am Lacey MB on Twitter, Threads, all other sort of text-based app clones, Instagram, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I do believe in brand consistency, so that is literally me everywhere. Uh, if you just want the site and the pod, we are on social media at Telly underscore Visions on Twitter and Televisions blog, all one word, on Facebook. If you like what we do, you can find our stuff at televisions.org. And if you want us to make even more of it, there's a big donate button up top that you can click and help us keep making all of this great content for your eyes and ears. Do do do. In doing so, you can get access to PBS Passport, which has just a ridiculous amount of early and exclusive binge opportunities and special stuff, including seasons eight and nine of Doc Martin and the current season of Grantchester. You will be able to watch it ahead of me, who is recapping it and only on episode three. So that is our show. Thank you all for listening. A reminder that uh, we think that the actors and writers deserve the things that they're asking for in their strike they make great content that we love we love them for doing it and we think that they should be compensated in a manner that is commensurate with their skills and abilities so pay them is what i'm saying so we can all have a (laughs) television season later this year for the rest of us who are not directly involved in this please take care of yourselves take care of each other and we will see you next week